ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Yo, 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 people, how's it going? Hope you are all doing well wherever you are in the world. So this week on the Ascend podcast, this is a conversation from my time at the Breaking Convention. It's with a really cool guy called Phil Richards. He's somebody who has practiced yoga for a very long time. He's interested in using yoga techniques to prepare the body and mind for the psychedelic experience, which I think is a really interesting concept. He's fascinated by breathwork, philosophy, meditation, and also the use of sound. And he also studied yoga in India for quite a while. So yeah, this is a so as you can tell, he's a really cool guy, and we had a really great conversation. This conversation went all over the place, and this is certainly not a conversation just all about yoga. It's definitely yoga is a framework for the conversation in this thing. But as you will see, and as many podcasts, as you know, these conversations go all over the place. So there really is some great gems in this one, and I'm sure you're going to love this conversation. And I just wanted to mention as well as on the theme of yoga, I watched a really cool documentary uh, uh, last week sometime, I think it was, or might be might have been two weeks ago anyway, but it's called The History of Yoga and it's on YouTube and it's free to watch. I think it's on for about 45, 50 minutes. But anyway, it's a really cool conversation. It's a really good documentary, sorry, and um, I'm sure you'll like it if you check it out. It's really interesting because as you guys will know, in life, you go through different stages when you're sort of researching different topics, going down the rabbit hole, sort of say. You come across many different topics. One week, you could be looking into sort of minimalism. The next week, you could be looking into van life. You could be looking into self-help, psychedelics, conspiracies, flat earth, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever you're looking into. And lately, over the last couple of weeks, a rabbit hole that I've been going down is I've been really fascinated by uh, yoga it's something. It's a practice. Obviously, I've been doing for a long time now, and I'm really. In, I've always been interested by it. But over the last couple of weeks, in particular, I've really been sort of um, up in my practice of yoga. Sometimes doing it twice a day, and I've really been watching a lot of documentaries on the origins of yoga and the history and the true meanings of yoga. And it's something that I'm really fascinated by. So I'll definitely recommend checking out that documentary anywhere. So I know you're going to love this conversation. And just before we dive in with this one, I just wanted to mention that over the last few, over the last weekend, I've really been looking for some interesting places. Um, really in the middle of looking for some interesting places to do the 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 send podcast retreat that I'm going to be setting up. So I'm still looking for some places. I haven't found the right place yet, but as soon as I do and that gets sorted, I promise you, promise you all, I'll tell you about it straight away. So that shouldn't be long. Maybe next week sometime I'll have a I'll have a fixed place and I'll be able to let you guys know what's happening. So keep an, keep an eye out for that anyway. And if you can, please find it in your heart. Support the podcast through the Patreon page. It really is currently the only way and the best way to support the podcast. As you know, I don't run ads on this podcast. So the best way you can support it is through the Patreon page. So all I'm asking you is if you can find it in your heart, please give it a few minutes and check it out. And it really helps me to keep doing what I'm doing and bringing you some amazing conversations. So anyway, I love you all and enjoy this conversation. Peace out. this so thank you so much for thank you dan joining us on the podcast um i'm trying to think maybe i know we just spoke slightly some some yeah. maybe good, good good places to start this but i was just thinking maybe a good place to start off is, is the sort of the start of your journey with yoga and what was yeah. the, the doorway for you into, into the world of yoga? I'm, I'm sort of old enough to know the first psychedelic revolution really in the 60s mm. so 
um, going to pop concerts, getting into psychedelic music, into Pink Floyd, into Quintessence, Moody Blues, things like that. Um, that kind of generated my interest in, in yoga. Uh, I mean, there wasn't very much yoga around in those days. I mean, in London, there was about two or possibly three vegetarian restaurants. And you would go down there and you look in the restaurant and, and there would be kind of notice boards up and you'd see what kind of crazy things were going on at that time, you know, meditation or Hare Krishna or... And it was that that kind of got me into, into yoga. And it was my taking psychedelics initially just for recreation, as you might imagine. But the more you go into these, what I'm going to call plant medicines, really, rather than psychedelics as such, the more you go into those yeah. things the more they guide you. And they guided me very much to yoga. Um, but the message in those days was kind of, uh, you have a trip, um, see God um, or the universe or anything, whatever you want to call it, the divine. Yeah. And then you give it all up and do yoga. And, and that's what I did. So it wasn't. So it was more of a, At the time. <laughs> it was more of a, cult, a sort of a, cult, a cultural sort of um, appropriation, and more than sort of the, the the medicine itself. Sort of saying, do yoga, do stretching. It was kind of um, yeah, more than stretching, more than meditation. Um, I mean, in those days, I we used to take LSD. Um, we used to go up onto the mountains in the Lake District and uh, we used to sit and watch the dawn yeah, but, uh, which is I'm a good just, thing to do yeah, what, um, what, yeah. I was, what I was meaning at, was, it the, was it the medicine that sort of yes, guided you that's yoga, exactly it, what I'm or saying or was it more the, the cultural appropriation of this is what you're supposed to do Yo after psychedelics yoga was coming along mm -hmm. um, you know I mean at Woodstock people were doing Kundalini yoga and saying this will get you higher than having a spliff and that sort of thing you yeah. know which is, which is great but um, as either the psychedelics got got stronger or I'm as a very very compassionate very passionate person um, regarding Timothy Leary's journey and I was reading Leary's stuff and I read the psychedelic experience with Ralph Metzner and Richard Alpert who then became Baba Ram Das I was getting very deeply into that and of course Ram Richard Albert became Baba Ram Das so obviously that was a cultural move but at the same time, we were going up and watching the dawn and we were, we were chanting Aum and we were having spiritual experiences, which was the medicines. And you were, saying, you were saying before as well, you obviously you, you ventured across to India. Is that where you met Ramdas as well? No, I actually met Ramdas in I think about 1972. Um, we uh, brought him into the country for a thing called the World Symposium on Humanity. And there was Ram Das, there was uh, Adi Lang, uh, Carl Sagan, a number of different people came together for a conference, and I was part of the conference. And I got to know Ram Das at that time. Uh, we picked him up at the airport, and we spent a long time. I spent a long time saying, "Tell me about those days uh, <laughs> when you were with Timothy Leary, and tell me about those times when you were, you know, you flipped out at Allen Ginsberg's house, and tell." Me and I got to the conference and I thought, oh, for God's sake, he's just written a book called Be Here Now. And I talked everything about yesterday. So I met him off stage one day. <laughs> that was terrible. And I met him off stage one day and there was thousands of people always trying to crowd around him. And I went, Ramdas, I'm sorry, I spoke about everything to do with yesterday. And you've just written a book called Be Here Now. Will you come round to my house for a pizza and we'll make up and uh, you can tell me all about now. <laughs> and he did. He did. Oh, that's cool. No, he did. Like, there was really five cool. of us round at our house and Ramdas came round and we had a lovely evening. It made me realise that there was somebody who really meant what he said. Yeah, there was that. somebody that was on a spiritual path and uh, there was there was no different size to him. He was the real he was a real deal. It's funny because you, know. you do come across, you, yeah. every now and again, you come across certain interactions with people and stuff. It's yeah. such a beautiful thing when you, I think when you're more open to it as well, you start seeing it more and more, but there's sort of something beautiful about that. I mean, people can talk the talk, but they need to walk the walk yeah, as well. Definitely. And he certainly did that. But it was that, um, yeah, culturally, uh, there was a move, there was a shift towards um, yoga and meditation. Um and there was a message in those days was very much um, you take uh, psychedelics, you see the divine, as I was saying, and then you kind of give it all up and study yoga or join an ashram, 
which is what I did because um, that's what I thought you should do. I went off to India and I joined the Ramakrishna mission. That's not Hare Krishna, it's a different kind of... They believe all religions go to the same place. And I uh, I joined the Ramakrishna Vedanta Center. I was there for a couple of years. Also, you missed yourself in for a few years. Yeah, for two years. Um, and then there was a long period of time with no psychedelics and focusing on meditation, focusing on yoga... And in a sense, yeah, I, my life has been very much that yoga so and you, meditation. So when you were in India, sorry, you jump in. Did you did you devote did you devote your sort of whole, them whole two years to the complete practice of yoga? As oh well? yeah, oh yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yoga and meditation. It wasn't totally in India actually. The first few months were in India. Then I got moved over to to Bedfordshire. So oh, it really? was a very nice, stately home in Bedfordshire. So it was. It wasn't. It was very comfortable. But I wasn't this, sitting on wooden floors. Yeah, yeah but, this, but obviously that same ethos has obviously bled into that. You know, yeah, that and and it gave me a chance to, as I say, to believe in religion. All religions go to the same place. I read the Bible, the Quran, the Dhammapada, the Ramayana, the Mahabharata, loads and loads of poetry, and it was a great chance to immerse myself in all the scriptures. And I practiced my yoga. And then later on, there was I just kind of, I kind of for many years just did the yoga, but there's been this renaissance of psychedelics that have come back, and now I feel that the message today is that it's a synthesis of the two things together, mm-hmm. and that actually, if you're going to have a psychedelic ceremony, whatever that might be, then yoga is really helpful. It, me- it means union. It means union, yoga, union of the body, the mind, and the soul. So uh, to work with yoga before a ceremony, to, to have the preparation before the ceremony, and then to use some yoga techniques while you're in the middle of a psychedelic experience is, is, can be absolutely profound. And then the integration after the experience is, is absolutely necessary. So you can integrate that experience in into everyday life. I'd be fascinated to dig more deeper into that. So how would how would you how would you would you sort of describe that it sort of prepares the body for, for psychedelic yoga? Yeah, okay. So the breathing's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about, you know, postures. It's not kind of not it's not kind of the yoga I do with really I do very little postures. I do some because I think it's important to stretch the body yeah. and to, to work with it. But it's kind of not it's not like a gym workout, you know. We're not doing kind of legs, bums, and tums or anything. Like that. More, more of a sort of a, <laughs> um, a more subtle. Yeah, movement. I mean, just do some gentle postures, asanas, where you're stretching up and then breathing out, and then allowing the body to just drop and just surrender. Um, and then, so you can feel in the body, and the body's, you know, uh, prepared. Um, I think it's also important that the spine is flexible because you can get really big belts of kundalini energy going up the spine in a psychedelic experience. And this is the reason why yogis did this in the first instance. The, the yogis in, in, the, in the forest um, in uh, thousands of years ago in India, who knows how long ago, yeah. the little tribes of yogis, they were only doing the postures to prepare the back for the meditation mm-hmm. that's the whole point of it so the cobra for instance is preparing the back stretching back and then the pose of the child which Ralph Metzner calls the embryo posture as well um, that allows you to go deeper inside but again it's flexing the spine it's interesting because I'm just thinking back at all them, the, con- the sort of the pictures and the sort of the ancient yeah. context and they actually are quite all sort of um, like spine orientated aren't they're, they they're all about the spine so it's it's interesting what you're saying about the, like the sort of the kundalini. I mean, because if you, if you've yeah. had experiences with psychedelics, people listen to this. I'm sure they've had experiences with psychedelics. I know and they have because they've yeah. reached out. You'll, yeah. you'll get the correlation of the sort of the energetic states that do sort of come through that that point yeah. of the body. So it's that's fascinating. And you know, connect connect to the collective consciousness. So in the early days, I was getting experiences through the spine. I didn't know what they were. I was seeing yantras and mandalas, and then reading about them afterwards. So there, obviously, I was connecting into the collective consciousness, which I think is really weird and strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, it, the books were confirming to me the experiences I was having. Um, psychedelics have always been a very spiritual experience for me. Um, I'm not frightened of that word, you know. Yeah. I'm not frightened of the word God either, to be absolutely yeah, yeah, honest. Yeah. But, you know, that's another thing. Definitely. But, yeah, that's the point of, of doing 
the yoga exercises, uh, postures, it's just to prepare the spine. And the majority of uh, postures, there's only, there's only about a dozen initially in the, in the early yoga texts. They talk about soma as well in, in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, which is a kind of herb medicine that ancient yogis would take. And I think that might be a psychedelic too, yeah, to definitely. be honest. When you said that, that's interesting when you... Yeah, I keep forgetting about how the postures have evolved, how more postures are being added. Do you think the yeah. the added de- element of um, all the different postures has made it, has made it more sort of more complicated, or, or was was there something special yeah, about just having a few postures? I think it's kind of all right. It's just yeah. you don't get you just don't get kind of off on a tangent that yoga is all about stretching and postures, and it can be, mm-hmm. it can be. But a lot of yoga classes that I would go to nowadays um, that are on in London or wherever, you kind of do an hour or 90 minutes even of what they call yoga, but that's only the postures. Postures is only one eighth of yoga, actually. There's a whole load of other things, dimension. So they do the postures. Might do a bit of breathing if you're lucky. Hardly any meditation. Tiny little bit of relaxation and off you go. When really yoga is a sort of preparation of the mind and then the body and then the breath and then the concentration that then takes you into meditation that takes you into a deep realm of what they then call samadhi which is levels of consciousness the whole point of doing yoga postures is to prepare your body so you can let it go then you work with the breath so you can quieten the mind when the mind's quiet then you can navigate the levels of consciousness that's the whole point of it and if you then working with psychedelics, you can navigate those levels of consciousness more, uh, um, in, in much more a sense of ease. Uh, you, it's about surrender, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, um, something else, I, another aspect I want to touch on with you, and this is a fascination to me at the minute, something that I'm trying to sort of play with in my own body, yeah. is the aspect of certain parts certain body parts holding holding more tension than other body parts yeah have you do you know any sort of like the the sort of the deeper meanings behind um i know this can be classed i know some people say this is a will be topic but it's clear to see in my body that there's definitely there's definitely certain tensions that's related to sort of fear-based psychological yeah. problems and things do you have you went deep into that aspect probably a stomach more than anything yeah people tend to hold stuff in their stomach yeah. um Basically, the first thing I would do to pe- for people would be to work with the body so that you can get, you feel stress in the body, breathe out, let go, work with maybe the cobra, maybe work with the uh, pose of the child, as I was saying. Get into what's called the corpse position, which is lying on the back with your hands, um, palms faced upwards, so you can be in a surrendering position. Then actually focus on your stomach. And then you can actually put your hands there if you want. Sometimes that's quite helpful, just so you can feel the warmth of your hands. Breathing in and then let your fingertips um, part as you breathe in and come back together again as you breathe out. And working to release any tension from your stomach. And the breath, um, the in-breath, that stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. So that's your fight or flight. So I've never, ever yet uh, taken a psychedelic and not been worried about it and not been fearful about the result. okay it's going to bring up all sorts of anticipation so to work with the mind start working with the breath and work with the out breath because the out breath triggers the parasympathetic which is the quietening down the chill out bit and so if you're breathing in and breathing out twice as long as you breathe in eventually you trigger the chill out system, then the mind becomes quiet. And then when the medicines begin to work, you can surrender to them. And then they're the teachers, they're the guru, basically. What about the, um, I love that by the way, and what about the, the, the intention aspect? Because something, yeah. that, something that I've been trying to play with lately is, is yeah. see if I have, I do, this, I do this process where, like you said, the corpse pose where I lie on my back. And I do this sort of invisible scanner, I call it well sort of scan the whole body for any like i imagine like sort of a blue yeah, great. a blue yeah. light going from the top of me toes make sure it goes all through my body sounds good in this practice over, over about say last two years every single time i would the body would would tell us 
with the inner, the inner sort of dialogue, the inner communication with whatever that is, I don't know what it is, but whatever is going on, would always tell us where points of tension were in the body and what I had to work on. Do you ever play with concepts like that where you sort of do processes like that? Yeah. Um, I th- scanning the body is a really good idea. Yeah, it is. It is, I mean, I know you do that in Vipassana meditation all the time where it's <clears throat> breathing uh, shallowly, I think, and then working it whether it's from the head to the toes or the other way around and then what happens when you find a bit of tension in the body what do you do then what do you do actually what i do is is actually see because for me on my journey is i've so i've read the book by joe dispenza you are the placebo and i've actually read the book by bruce lipton uh, the the biology belief so so you've got a few tools in your box so i've got a few tools in me sort of understanding the concepts of what of what me what i do it's not a feel. It's what now. Yeah. Now I've now it's I know. I know. I know it can be done. I know it can. Of experiences I've had, I know we can. We have this innate ability within outside of ourselves. Sure. You believe in it. You can heal parts of your body. So what I do is I just put the intent. When I do so, I do the scanner. <clears> put <throat> me it, and then as soon as I find the the point of the body that has holds a bit of tension or holds a bit right. of pain, I will now just put me complete focus there and just imagine pure healing. Simple Brilliant. as that. Nothing complicated. Just imagine pure healing. And, there's, there's and, and, and another good method is that. So, so if you feel tension in this arm, breathe in and tense it a bit more. And then when you breathe out, then the body knows the difference between tension and and relaxation. Oh, so sometimes the body, you know, you don't know it's actually being held. So it's quite good to start with the feet, perhaps, and go to the head, breathing in, tensing the feet, breathe out, let the feet go, breathe in, tense the calves and then work the way up through the body tense and then release and it's the release that really then can trigger as i say the parasympathetic nervous system so start with what you've got start with the body and get the body in a state of uh stillness really and then work with the breath because the mind follows the breath yeah definitely and you know the mind gets a lot of bad breath press really basically Uh, people say my mind's terrible my mind's a mess and I have to fight my mind and my mind's all over the place okay so don't do any of that just simply observe your mind because the only thing that goes on inside the head is what you put in there if you actually observe the mind which is interesting who is it that's observing it's not your mind if you observe your mind the mind eventually naturally stills and becomes quiet and then if you're working with the medicines then you've got the spirit of the medicine in there whatever that might be and that's when you journey yeah it's funny it's, it's funny you said that because I, I, I really i really do relate to that and the same sense of the body does that as well i think the body has its own sort of oh yeah in a communi- communication yeah. where mm. you can have that that dialogue with the body but it's funny because obviously we sort of um we sit in a, in a way we just sort of numb that we numb that out yeah how, how, how do you play with that sort of inner inner sort of inner wisdom or inner communication how do you keep I mean, how look, do you keep that communication open within I mean, yourself it's amazing isn't it it's, it's doing all this stuff right now i mean we're not, we're not having it. to think about yeah. having to swallow or breathe in or breathe out we're not we're not doing any of that stuff it's just it's getting on with it and uh, when we're in a psychedelic experience it's doing the same thing and the mind will only show you what you've already put in there because like a computer so sometimes it's very difficult for the mind to quieten down completely. So you might just be in a sort of what I call screensaver mode. There's just stuff going on. Yeah. But then to get a more ex- experience of um, the true self beyond the mind and beyond the body, that's when the body becomes very still and the mind becomes very still. And then there's two types of experience, a dualistic experience of the divine and a non-dualistic experience of the divine and i think they're two sides of the same coin well could you explain that could you break that down a bit further? Uh, try i mean i think people have tried for the last five thousand years so <laughs> i've got <that. laughs> um i'll just be, give a basic brief overview for people who okay so i think people over the centuries have been discussing whether when they experience the divine god or whatever you want to call it whether it's uh, whether they're tasting the sugar or they're being the sugar. Yeah, like that. <laughs> okay, that's really it. Yeah. So with a plant medicine, um, 
let's say ayahuasca. My experience of ayahuasca has been, there's really been a dualistic experience between myself and Mother Ayahuasca. And she has shown me amazing visions and amazing things. So uh, that's been an experience where that, there's been a sense of self and a sense of a dialogue going on and that you are able to speak to Mother Ayahuasca and say, please take me higher with love. Please don't hurt me. Please show me what I need to know. Things like that. And those experiences. And if you've truly let go of the body, truly quieten the mind, you're able to do that. Um, and uh, my experiences of those have been so incredibly valuable. But then if we go to 5-MeO-DMT, <laughs> that's not like that at all. Oh, that's, really? No. Um, that's like you go into an experience where um, there is only oneness. There is no mind, there is no body, there is no Phil, there is no Dan. There is just one consciousness. What do you, so what do you think that experience is trying to teach you the most com in comparison to ayahuasca? Do you think ayahuasca is more, because I know what people speak about, I've never took ayahuasca myself, I, it's something that's definitely I want to tr explore. Yeah. But people talk about how ayahuasca is more sort of a, a more of a mothery, nurturing sort of medicine, yeah. whereas DMT is like, boom, taking you there, well, where, taking you there, whether uh, you like it or not. Of course, ayahuasca has got DMT in it, yeah. but I did have um, an experience of where that wasn't the case, you know, it was just pure 5-MeO-DMT, uh, which I was able to experience. And that was a sense of complete and utter oneness. Um, so much so, it's, it's really hard to describe that because there is, no, there is no language and that's something that people have been trying to describe for years and years and years. Yeah, definitely. When you, when you were saying before, I want to touch back on it, when you were, we were talking about the inner wisdom of the body, because I think mm. it's a, that's an important area and something that okay. I've been trying to, to sort of dissect in my own life. In the sense of, because you know in society in general, when say someone has a, I mean, this is this is my experience anyway, and I can only speak from my experience, but say sure. if I have, like I was describing before, when I was doing the scanner and stuff, but if I have certain experiences in my body where I've got sort of an ache or something like that, the right. cultural normality to the way they attack that feeling is to sort of numb it out by taking a pill yeah, yeah. or re relying on some sort of system of outside themselves. But what I've realised through that connection is that the body, like you said before, the body is an, is intelligence beyond our understanding, and I think when you start tuning into the subtleties of the body that's actually the body's way of communicating yeah. with things that are not right in your body. Have you had that same? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, and it depends on how much I take notice of it and how much yeah. I ignore it, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, not everything uh, is cured through yoga as such, you know, but, I mean, uh, and if you need to take a paracetamol, then you kind of take it, you know, but I tend to think, yeah, uh, a good glass of water and maybe some working with the breath might be a better idea. Yeah. But I think it's just we live fast lives and often we do ignore the body and it's our last. It's a bit sad in a way. It's Sometimes it's a bit of a battleground for our experience. So it's about respect, you know, isn't it? It's respecting the body, respecting the mind, respecting the medicines, respecting life itself really yeah when you were saying there about living fast lives and stuff has 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 yoga affected your general life in your life in general to sort of to have a more calmer, i'd like to say yeah area? i'd like to say so i mean i'm 68 now and i still run around like an idiot so maybe um i'm and i've maybe learned a few lessons on the way but maybe not enough yeah. because you know um ramdas certainly had to had to stop, didn't he, when he had his stroke. Yeah. Thankfully, I haven't had a stroke. And I do know that I've still got to slow down and be here now a bit more. Um, get up in the morning and, well, life's great, though. I yeah. mean, it's, life's full of challenges and wonderful things. And we don't always expect it to go a particular way. And it goes another way. And I don't know, there seems to be a grand plan in these things. It, if I could only... Dan, stand back far enough to be able to see the bigger picture. Maybe I wouldn't run around so chaotically. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just, I like that. And just when I, 
in my own life as well as just whatever practice I do, it doesn't have to be yoga, it can just be yeah, breathing. It's, yeah, it's still yoga. Whatever the practices is, but practices sure. that are in line with who, who I am anyway. And when I'm in my day-to-day life, even even this even this sort of this weekend as well, because it's been a quite intense weekend, I've done loads of conversations and stuff. Yeah, great. And the pra- them practices are still communicating with me now when I'm doing this podcast and stuff. I mean, see, seeing the communication that's going on in my mind now is you're sitting for too long. You're not outside in the light enough. You're not breathing enough. You've got too much tension in your body. And it's in that I can feel that communication all bleeding through my system as every single cell in my body now. Right. And I know you do have to sort of give away parts of that aspect to do other things. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it. It's sort of like the higher self on the shoulder. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's about listening to that inner voice as well, isn't it? You know, if I could really listen to that inner voice a bit loud, you know, allow it to be a bit, and I didn't keep, kind of keep covering it up with, with another voice, like, I want this and I want that. It's kind of often the stuff that we want that takes us away from the moment. It's funny because you know? yoga, yoga for me, in a sense, it does that, yeah. you know. I mean, I know we talk a lot about yoga, but the practice of yoga, it does that for me because for some reason, when you're in, see if you're doing like a hard movement, whether, whether it is or you're doing a sort of a quite a, a movement where you, you know what it's like you've got to you've got to maintain focus in the breath yeah. or you'll sort of fall out fall out of the movement but then but that when the foot the focusing on the on the movements themselves actually you'll only ever you'll only ever get uh, uh, an injury through ego yeah okay like because <laughs> you go in a yoga class and that's if it's just the postures I know it doesn't matter what yoga class I go in, even now, I still think most people are better than me. So I'll stand in the corner somewhere. And then if I feel I'm getting good at something, and this is a posture I can do really well, then my ego will take over. And that's when I'll overstretch. And that's when I'll get an injury. It's funny, every single time it's funny you said that because even even <laughs> in life in general yeah you only get in, you only get in trouble in every area of life if you, if you come from a point of ego you walk down a street you have a, a guy will fight you because of your ego you can get out of that situation by coming out of the ego I know. every single situation i know it's identity with things and yeah and we could really i don't know this life of ours if we could really could we ever um, live our lives without any ego whatsoever not at all yeah. really we have to have an identity to to exist in this world. Yeah, of course. I've I've talked about this before. The sense of the ego. I think it does. I mean, the, it it does play an important important role in in things that you do. I mean, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast now if it didn't have a form of ego. No, sure. But it's about keeping it in sort of trying to keep, keep it, it a bit in, in track. check. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't really exist, does it? I mean, it's it's a figment of our imagination, yeah. isn't it? How how I perceive who I am and how I perceive you perceive who I am. Am I received? kind of understanding as yeah. we're talking to one another yeah. i'm thinking i wonder what he thinks about me am i coming over very well i hope i've said the things that are right you know and we're kind of like oh he seems to be a nice guy so we know we're getting on really well it's probably going to be a great pop podcast or yeah. something like that yeah. and it's like oh slowly the head's getting bigger and bigger it's funny it is because you, um, you do feel them tensions within every single interaction in your life don't so you? i have to stop <laughs> i have to stop every now and again uh maybe i should be doing it now and go okay i'm not Stop, take the focus from here and put it here. And just speak from the heart. And then truth comes out. Not kind of like, oh, what do I think he wants me to say now? Shall I say something interesting and exciting and funny? Um, Actually, it might be more interesting, exciting and funny if I speak from here. And I think it's all about dropping down. You know, um. The Buddhists have a, a, a mantra, Omani Padme Hum. Have you ever heard of that? Omani Padme Hum. The, if you go to uh, Nepal, Tibet, places like that, you'll see it everywhere, Omani Padme Hum. And um, what it really means is uh, the jewel in the lotus. That's all it says, the jewel in the lotus. It's kind of like a code. When the jewel of the mind rests in the lotus of the heart, compassion arises is really what they're saying so if you put your mind in your heart then you can speak from real truth real understanding so that's the other thing i do when we're in a psychedelic experience is i ask people to breathe out and then take the focus of the mind into the heart and breathe as if you're breathing in and out through the center of your chest and there you open your heart and then you open yourself up to 
higher states of consciousness powerful that by the way really powerful and I, I completely understand that embodiment of what you're seeing because yeah. when i do a podcast in general just to be completely honest as well try and speak from the heart yeah 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 <laughs> um, when i do a podcast in general it's it's hard to not be in the mind all the time because yeah. i'm having this interaction with you now and it's i'm trying to like sort of trying to trying to get the best out of you but at the same time it's trying to maintain that balance of yeah. am i in the heart am i am i in the head and I think that's a, it's just a it's a constant. Because we do of, that all the time when we when we're trying to think of something, we go like that, as if the answer's up there, you know. Yeah. But actually, it's when we sort of let go of that and drop down and take it here, which is where they say the soul uh, resides. Yeah. Uh, you can take that as many pinches of salt as you wish, but in a sense. I think when we centre ourselves, we're able to speak more clearly. And that's not kind of too hippy-trippy. Yeah, that's of kind of just allowing yourself to centre, really. I think everyone feels that in a, on an intuitive level in the, yeah. in the deity lives all the time. You can call it whatever name you want, but everyone does feel it. So another, another element I actually want to yeah. touch on and uh, was the... I know you do a lot of work with sound and stuff. Yeah, we do. Well. With my husband, Jamie. Yeah, what's, who can't be here today, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. What's the... What's the uh, what is it about sound that fascinates you? Because it's through my journey, instinctively, if you're looking into yoga, you're looking into psychedelics, eventually you're going to stumble across sound. Mm. And just like the ancients of the past as well, they were yeah. integrating sound. I mean, their sound is so incredibly important. Not just the vibration of sound, which I think is uh, uh, what connects us to higher states of consciousness the vibrations of sound can take us there but also shamans for instance i mean my husband jamie sings uh medicine songs when we do our sound journeys and often he will be feeling the energy in the room and he will be taking people with that energy into the challenging dark places that actually they don't want to go you can go with sound into those places it can be very challenging but the whole point about darkness is that you go into the darkness and when you shine light into darkness it's not dark anymore yeah, right. so um, a true shaman a, a true medicine song uh, singer as it were can take you into those levels of consciousness and in a psychedelic experience whether you are um, diving deep into the subconscious to dig out traumas of the past or whether you're so soaring into the superconscious to explore other levels of reality sound can be the very thing that takes you there because it it's it doesn't have an image around about it it's not a it's a guru it's a it's a teacher but it's not a personality it's a it's a vibration and it's a sound that we can work with and go with without our identities yeah, getting that. in the I've way i've never thought about that before i actually love that it's, like it's the bridge the gap doesn't it between between the higher states of consciousness and individual self because the individual self will follow the sound and it'll just be pure energy so you kind of go through that eye of the needle of consciousness without the body without the mind yeah i love that it's um i'm sure i heard somewhere as well um sort of like a, a shaman speaking about how he said that yeah he believes that even though the medicine is profound and it's clear to see on a biological level the medicine is sort of affecting people but yeah. at the same time there's there's a big mythology around the fact that it's actually the it's the sound itself that takes people on them journeys and yeah i mean it's a i think it's a bit of a synthesis of both really um and you can do it yourself as well to some extent you can sing and have a, a rattle or have a drum and you can play and you have first you don't always need to have somebody to guide you. It's great if have you, you can. Have you seen this? There's so many areas. It's a great conversation, but there's honestly so much sure. to go. But have hmm. you seen the? Uh, have you seen the, the, the little baby that gets it's just the baby's crying? I think it's a, a little baby girl. All right. And the adult uh, does the um. Oh yeah, I think I've seen that online. He, he stops yeah. the he stops yeah. the, the child from crying. Yeah. I've actually I don't know if you've tried that, but I tried that with um one of me sort of um friends, little kids. And I did it straight away. Dead, stop dead straight yeah. away. There's something powerful about the... There's something... Um, well, I don't know whether you believe in birth and rebirth or whatever, but there is. they say that Om is the sound of the universe. It's the origin of it's universal sound. Um, 
I mean, everything's going home, really. You can hear cars go by, they're going home. Turn the yeah. fridge oh. on, it's going home, you know. Um, everything is, in a sense, on those vibrations. And if you can work with singing bowls, with gongs, we, we do all of that when I'm not on my own. Uh, and if you work with all of those things, you're able to evoke levels of consciousness and take people into areas where healing can take place. It's funny because I was thinking there, yeah. you, you know, the normal, like the normality of the first word that a child says it. Mom. Yeah, yeah, mom. <laughs> well, all the prayers have om in them somewhere. I mean, it's not just a Hindu, you know, om is a Hindu uh, phrase or a mantra. In Buddhism, you've got om mani padme hum. But in Christianity, you've got amen, amen is quite near to that. Uh, Allah, you've got, um, you know, there's, there's the sound of the Om. There's another one I can't remember in a few days, and I can't remember. Uh, it will come to me. But they've all, all, all religions have got a sound. Yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, you know. Have you ever come across, there's something that I was going, you know how you go on these rabbit holes where you're looking at a bit of information and it takes <laughs> you on these the rabbit holes? My friend, my best friend recommended is this um, musical um, sort of, what, what's the word for it? It's, it's called a Pythagoras tone generator. Have, oh. you, have you ever heard of that? I haven't. So, so I'll just give a bit of context. I'm not an expert on this. Yeah. Just what I've quickly looked into. Uh, Pythagoras was an a, a ancient Greek philosopher, one of the famous, yeah. and yeah. He, was, he believed that I think the whole universe was, was um, made up of sort of deep mathematics and numbers and vibration and stuff yeah. so he come up with this sort of this system where he believed that there was a certain universal frequency that operates through the whole of the cosmos right. and he tried to put this in this device called the pythagoras tone generator oh. and i've looked on the line and there's there was in the past there was people who used to make them and i couldn't find anything about right. it sounds like a, a, a interesting business it really it's really yeah definitely someone's going <laughs> to do it someone's going to do it now you know somebody's going to do this after this now. yeah but um at, this, at the same time, I mean, I've obviously experienced many different forms of music and sort of had sound healing and therapies and sessions and stuff. And there is something very profound about it. But for some reason, this this system, I mean, this is just on YouTube yeah, because that's yeah. all I have access to because I, I don't know anyone who's physically got one. Enough, but no. for some reason, I mean, if anyone just types in on YouTube, um, the Pythagoras tone generator, it'll come up on YouTube. Right, I'm going to do that straight after this and podcast. This, and don't get us wrong, the guy talks through it, so it sort of interrupts the flow of it. But at the oh, same right, time, okay. there's enough sort of subtleties in the music when you feel it. It's it's un, it's undeniable. It's, it's a bit like um, binaural beats, isn't it? Have you heard of binaural yeah, beats? Yeah, right, but then, this, yeah. this is on another level, though. Oh, is it, really? I, I don't know if it's just... I mean, I showed it to loads of people, and they just and they just go... They just look at you and go, you get it, don't you? You get it. It's wow. Really, it's really weird. So I don't know if he's onto something there, some sort of... You've got a business there, Dan. You know, you, yeah. should, you need to set up... I'll let someone else this. do that. I've got you enough stuff on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too much on your plate yeah. for Pythagoras. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm trying to figure out myself. No, fair enough. Someone, yeah, someone well, can that. that's a lot with that. I've got, <laughs> I've got my own self to, to look at too. It, it's powerful though because I went on this. I went on this long rabbit hole once about the uh, the ancient cultures of the past. I don't know mm. if you've looked into much of much of that uh, to do with sound, but there was a, um, there's a guy who's researching um, Gobekli Tepe called Andrew Collins, All which right. was fascinating about him. He said that so structurally, there's a, a monument in. Uh, temp- or a monument, a temple, ancient, stru- uh, ancient structure, whatever you want to call it, in right. Gobekli Tepe, which is in Turkey. And they're figuring out now that um, structurally the monument is designed in a way to affect the acoustics of sound. Oh, wow. And there's researchers now seeing that the pyramids were also <coughs> that. Um, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Many structures around the world were right. these acoustic sort of um, attunements of the body, really. Yeah, no, amazing. It's fascinating to see yeah. what was going on there. I think sound is a most amazing. Um, tool to take us into realms of consciousness it's, um, that's why in all the ayahuasca ceremonies you have shamans singing Icaros um, that's why in Stanislav Grof when he does his holotropic breathing the soundtrack is of paramount importance that's why in a sense with the yoga that I do we've now got sound meditations and, and journeying with that because we know it's really important to have sound that works with that um, and there's the inner sound, there's the inner sounds that you connect to. That's also the space between the sound is important too. We mustn't forget that. 
that actually what we call silence can be kind of a roaring silence as well. So yeah, it's a fascinating journey. Yeah, it? definitely. It's just just a, a point I wanted to sort of touch on before I, I sort of wrap up and stuff. But sure. um, the element of sort of trying to make um, sort of not maybe these different disciplines, sound meditation as well and yoga as well, but making these sort of disciplines, how do we sort of translate them over to, to modern life? Because that's, that's, that's obviously a big question. Yeah, uh, because, um, I mean, one of the things that Ramdas talks about is that one of the reasons why he ended up um, going for the path that he's chosen, which is, um, I don't know whether he does psychedelics anymore, he doesn't really um, talk about that particularly, but he said that, in a sense, in the olden days, he was going up and down. He was having experiences of, of um, high psychedelic experiences and then he was coming down and he needed to find ways of of being able to integrate that into his life so it is important that we're not chasing after the experience all the time it is important that we're not looking for that but at the same time i think it's also important that if we are on these journeys that we can use these plant medicines with respect and yeah um there'll be periods of time when people maybe or maybe not work with plant medicines for some time. And then there'll be other times when they will. And there'll be times when they'll be working a little bit and sometimes working a lot. I call it, there's a, there's a word for that in yoga called sadhana. It means spiritual practice. Sometimes you're working with postures and meditation and breath work. Sometimes you're working with um all of that, I mean, you may be working with plant medicines and psychedelic experiences. The most important thing is that you integrate that into everyday life so that the lessons that you've learnt from working with mother ayahuasca or whatever it might be, the lessons you've learnt are then integrated into who you are. It's no good going out and taking a psychedelic and going, my God, the world's completely composed of love and I love everybody and everything's mine. And then you're a, you know, you're a difficult person to deal with the following day. Mm-hmm. And that actually you go about um, abusing the planet and, and abusing other people at the same time. It has to integrate into who you are. You have to learn those lessons. Otherwise, you're going to get a real smack for, doing, for not doing that. You know, Mother Ayahuasca or whoever it will be would definitely not stand for that so it's about integration into life and not about going up and down or chasing the experience but actually having respect for those experiences going into those experiences with humility and then coming out of them and integrating them into your daily life so that you are developing growing becoming a beautiful human being changing from a caterpillar into a butterfly truly Wow. That's the if thing. I could drop the mic, I'll drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool, honestly. Thank Cheers, you. man. What Thank a you beautiful podcast. So beautiful, honestly. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Boom, boom, boom. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Really was a cool conversation with Phil. Really loved chatting him there. And I'm sure, as you will see, there was some little gems in that. And it was a cool conversation. There's some really cool conversations coming up in the near future on this podcast. As you know, I went to the Brayton Convention and I did recorded loads of amazing conversations with many interesting guests. And I promise you, the lineup of conversations coming up in this and the near future is really powerful and I cannot wait to share them with you all. So there's definitely some really gems of conversations coming up. And just want to mention, if you can, find it in your heart, please check out the Patreon page. The price of $2 each month really goes such a long way. And when you when you become a patron at any amount, you get access to bonus content, you get access to a private Facebook group. And there's some really cool people in there now interacting. And also as well, you get access to a private RS feed, which you can add to any of your f- podcast apps that you listen to this on now. And basically each week, as every week as I add a new bonus that will be downloaded to your phone, just exactly like the, the episodes get downloaded to your phone every single week. So I definitely recommend checking out that. It really is the best way to support the podcast anyway. And just to play this conversation out as I do every single week, this is a really interesting uh, song. I come across it a couple of weeks ago and it is called Bella Ciao. And I looked into I did a bit of research on, into this song 
It was a really cool song anyway, but once I found out more about it and what it really stood for, there's a really powerful message behind it. So anyway, the song is called Bella Ciao. Um, some people say that's called, the translation is called Goodbye Beautiful, but basically a lot of people say that's an Italian folk song and it was used as an anthem for an anti-fascist, anti-fascist uh, renaissance uh, a long time ago. And a lot of people talk about how it's used as sort of a worldwide song, as sort of a hymn for freedom. And there was a really cool little bit of um, information I found on about that. It said that in the past, when women were working in the fields in northern Italy, they would always sing this song to pass the time. So anyway, it is a really cool song and it has a powerful meaning behind it. So I definitely recommend listening to this song all the way through and I know you're going to like it. So anyway, enjoy this song called Bella Ciao. I'll catch you next week. Keep seeking people and wherever you are in the world. Hope you're all having an amazing time. So anyway, I love you all. Peace out. Una mattina mi sono alzato. Oh, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao. Una mattina mi sono alzato e ho trovato l'invasore. Un partigiano portami via. Oh, bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 partigiano portami via che mi sento di Partigiano, oh vela ciao, vela ciao, vela ciao, 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 e se io muoio da partigiano, tu mi devi seppellire, e seppellire la sua in montagna, oh vela ciao, vela ciao, vela ciao, ciao, ciao. Ciao, 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 ciao